0: Guys, welcome to Both Sides of the Fence featuring myself, Kevin Buchanan, a selling agent in the Hills District of Sydney and Daniel Beardle, a buyer's agent handling the, the transaction of uh, purchases of, of property throughout Sydney and of course throughout Australia as well. Today, uh, we're very, very thankful to be joined by the great Ben Mitchell um, who heads up uh, Realtair, which is our online auction platform that most agents are using throughout Australia right now during lockdowns. Um, and he's also uh, the, what I would consider the best auctioneer in Sydney. That's why we use him uh, on a weekly basis. Um, Benny, do you mind giving us a brief rundown of who you are, when you started and um, your step of every step of the way in your real estate career from the start till now?
1: Yeah, sure, Kevin. Thanks for having me, too. It's, uh, what a wonderful initiative you've got going on. Um, Look, I've started at ripe old age in 19 uh, as a a traditional real estate agent, sort of straight out of, I did a year and a half of uni prior to that doing valuation. uh, And then sort of stepped out into real estate, which was my real love, uh, you know, dealing with people and property and I loved it. Um, So I've been in real estate for around 25 years, I think it is. It seems like yesterday, but 25 years, I've seen a lot in that time, especially when I started, we were back to you know, to tee up an inspection in a property, you would have to get on your two-way and call back to the office and get the office to ring the owner uh, to tee <laughs> up the inspection. So i have seen see all that. Don't uh, right. And then at the ripe old age of 24, I became uh, the youngest principal uh, to join a, a company called Bevan's Real Estate at the time. It's no longer, unfortunately, it was, it'd be about 130 year old business now if it was still around, but um yeah, so I started, I, I partnered up with my uh, principal at the time and yeah, went on to, to do that. So then um, we converted over to Ray White and we had a master franchise for Ray White. At the time I had, um, I think at the end of it, I had six Ray White offices and 53 salespeople working for me and a lot of wow. headaches and uh, hurting, wow. it's like hurting cats on a daily <laughs> basis, <at> a daycare <laughs> centre for adults. Um, and then probably uh, I sort of outgrew that, that role and we had a master franchise down in the Illawarra, so I'm from Wollongong, um, and we had sort of 18 Ray White offices and I sold out all of those and went work for Ray White corporate for a couple of years, uh, where my role was to sort of grow and put on offices throughout New South Wales. Uh, I think I did that for about two years and put on 30, 38 offices or something like that for Ray White. Yes, then I decided I, that was all going a little bit too fast for me. So I wanted to take a break and stop and smell the roses for a minute. Cause I effectively retired when I was 30 years of age. And I, oh, wow, of, and, um, or 32, I think it was. Um, and I, I had, you know, I had a young family and I, I didn't sort of get to see them. So I thought I'd in my infinite wisdom, I'd start an auction business and I did that <laughs> and it grew and grew and grew. And now it's bigger than Ben-Hur. Um, <laughs> So I did that for about a year or two and then I, um, I got approached by LJ Hooker and I, you know, I came to LJ, I was at LJ Hooker for six and a half years where I uh, was state manager and then at the end of it, head of strategic growth for the group nationally. So uh, my role there was obviously uh, run the state, then put on offices for the, for the company and then uh, sort of plan its future direction as to where they go. And then, obviously, again, I, I got to the point of burning out a little bit. So I sort of sorry for the long intro, but I sort of uh, I skipped out of that. And um, February this year, I started with RealTear, which is a phenomenal company uh, run by one of my one of my best mates, uh, Peter Matthews, who is an inspiration. We're effectively changing the industry, digitizing it and sort of making it streamlined for agents. So we've got some pretty big backers and we've got some amazing runway ahead of us. And yeah, so I sort of do that on Monday to Friday, nine to five. And I yell at people on Saturdays and (laughs) nights, you guys, So that's where I'm at. I think I brought you up to date.
0: Yeah, and uh, begrudgingly calling auctions on Sundays when I have to.
1: Yeah, I've got a couple for you this Sunday, mate. I think, but yeah, look, you got to do it at the moment. Uh, It's an interesting time for sure. Yeah. Now, Benny, when did you get into
0: auctioneering? Like, did you start right from the get-go, or did you? Was it throughout uh, your real estate career you started to get into it?
1: Mate, it's an interesting thing how I got into it. I actually reluctantly got into it. And when I say that, was, there's this thing in in real estate, or the it's run by the REI called the Novice Auctioneering Competition. Uh, I got asked to go in that, and I said no. So I sort of managed to get out of it the first year. In the end, my business partner sort of said, look, you know, you're the, you're the young gun in the Illawarra. You sort of probably should get into this. We're part of the REI. So I went and did it. And, you know, I've never been so nervous in my life. I sat there <laughs> days on days practicing, yelling at myself in the mirror and trying to get it right. Because, mm. you know, you can appreciate that it takes years to form a banter and, and what to say, when to say it. Anyway, I did that and I, I won it. I won the Illawarra and then I went off to, um, so to answer your question, I think I was probably at about, I don't know, 24 at the time. Yeah, maybe, maybe 20, yeah, around that, mid, mid-20s. And um, I then went off to um, uh, the nationals or whatever it is, the state finals for that. And I got beaten by a property manager girl from Dubbo oh. with red hair. So I'll never forget <laughs> it. I came oh, second no. in the state at the time. And she was fantastic. It was so good. A country girl, you know, red hair, property manager, everything that a auctioneer is. No, Not a stereotypical auctioneer, if you like. And, and she beat me. It was fantastic. So... I did that, and then I I sort of didn't come back and follow that for a bit. Like I sort of sat back for probably about a year or so, and then um, I got asked to to by the head of the franchise at the time to come and um come and call in for him, which I did. not then now that was the most nervous thing I've ever done in my life, and <laughs> the rest is history, mate. I think I've done just over fifteen thousand auctions now. So wow, wow. Man
0: um benny what's some what's some of the biggest mistakes you see um agents and buyers agents make at auctions on the on on the auction floor
1: well look it's a really hard thing because everyone's got their own and you gotta you gotta appreciate that it will be at least 80 percent of people that turn up on a saturday or a night time have never actually been to an auction before so it's Mm. it's it's sort of you gotta you can't take that for granted so We've got a like the biggest mistake they do is they come in underprepared. When I say underprepared, they come in and they don't have a good game face. They'd be no good at poker. So they, they, they sort of straight up through hesitation, uh, cost themselves more money because the other competitors, like the other competitors, I call them, um, you know, can can smell it, can smell the fear on their face. So they're pretty easy to beat. And I think that that part of it is just coming in very underprepared. prepared um, I think that uh, it's a pressure cooker situation. I think that where agents really stuff up is that they don't appreciate what they're going through. Some of these buyers and you guys are absolutely phenomenal. I've got to say, I actually use you guys as examples as, you know, I call it working the floor. You know, you're sympathetic to what the what the buyers want and what the buyers need and what the underbiders uh, need. And, you know, I think a good working relationship with an auctioneer and an agent is paramount because you know, when to give the buyers time to breathe, time to think, step aside for a minute, come back, all those sorts of things. So I think to to go back to your original question, the biggest mistake they do is just come in underprepared for starters. You got a limit. You know what it is. Go to it, go hard to it and go from there.
0: Yeah. Mm.
2: Ben, could you run me through an auction process? Just letting it, for example, if I knew nothing about an auction at all, could you yeah. run me through the process and tell me what I should be doing when to be most effective and efficient?
1: Yeah, as a buyer or as an agent? As a buyer, or? as a buyer. Okay, so first and foremost, you've selected the property because you've chosen – like that should chosen place that you want to live or if it's an investment. And again, there's two different buyers. An investor is totally different to a homeowner because an investor generally has no emotion attached to it. And I guess that's why buyers' ages get engaged too because they take the emotion out of it and it's a more logical decision. Uh, If I was was a buyer, um, my strategy would be obviously choose that's the property that you want, do your research just to establish a value that you're not only happy to pay but that's what you believe that it's worth. Um, I always say set a limit and stick to it. Um, and when I say that is stick to it because it, it really, it's easier to have that goal in mind when you're uh, turning up and it's under a pressure cooker situation that that's the stopping point. And the reason I say that is because I would go pretty hard to that, to that number. Cause if you got it for that or anything under your, you're happy. If you, mm. if you didn't get it, well, you tried your hardest for it. Um, so I think there's a lot, there's another question you guys could ask me, you know, what are the pitfalls for, for auctions and why people come unstuck is, I think that they the, the biggest one is hesitation. A lot of people hesitate. And they yep. think that they're doing the right thing by trying to slow the auction down sometimes, like uh, drop it, dropping it down to thousands or five thousands when I'm at 50s or 25s or whatever. And the reason I think that that's a pitfall is because they think they're doing the right thing by slowing it down. All they're doing is inviting people back in. So there's certain mm. things certain times that come in at, along the auction. But um, to answer your point, come in educated, know your limit, and go go to that. Um, you know, Do your research around it. Follow the auctioneer around. I would say if you're going to bid at an auction and, you, and you've got one coming up, just get to know how that auctioneer works. Look, I reckon, and I'm probably giving something up here, I have a set formula and I'm probably pretty easy to read, but you've got to go back to that notion at the start there that probably 80% of the people have never been to an auction or understand or see what happens, so I get away with it every week. <clears throat> But there's certain yeah. things that I do where I won't sell at this point, and I won't say that until I'm at that. And you, you get you get to work out my rhythm. Um yeah. And, and that's what I was saying, it's not trying to trick anyone. It's just that if I was doing my research as a buyer, I'd follow the auctioneers around and see what they do, and I'd also watch how the agents work as well. You know, when I, um, you know, the a trial close from an auctioneer's point of view, where I call it three times, and most people think that I'm about to knock it down, but I'm far from it. That sort of thing. So, have you seen buyers agents do that to you as well, and follow you
0: around to pick for up? Sure,
1: but I, I, actually really like working with buyers agents because, as I said, there's this key piece as the emotions taken out of it. They've got a job to do. I understand that job. I respect that job, and I've got to say, with you know, the exception of a very few. I will look the buyer's agent in the eye and say I need to be here, or no, I can't take that, and they understand where I'm coming from, uh, and and they'll quickly correct themselves. Um, so, I, I really think that yeah, a buyer's agent is phenomenal. Yeah, buyer's agents definitely follow you around, but they do that just by, by habit. You know, they're 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 dealing for, with clients and running around trying to you know yep. property. So. Yeah. Um,
0: in terms of. market trends like what what are some things that you're seeing out in the marketplace at the moment obviously super volatile market the past couple of months during incredibly
1: crazy incredibly crazy in fact it's the new sport i think it's uh (laughs) sitting at home and you know they can't go to bunnings they can't renovate house, so they're sitting at home in their rug boots (laughs) with a beer in hand watching the auctions on saturdays by watching the footy yeah Uh, mate i've got to say it's the most uh, fascinating and exciting time I've ever been in real estate. I've sort of been doing it for 25, 27 years, somewhere there. I probably should do my numbers. So <laughs> every, how long I've been in it. But anyway, um, like I did an auction for you guys the other week. I think we had something like 38 registered bidders and 12 of them had not even seen the property. And the eventual bidder that got it, Pay $1.85 and hadn't even inspected the property. So that's the sort of real estate we're dealing with at the moment. I think that was something like 200000 above reserve. So um, what, what trends am I seeing at the market? I, I can tell you right now, whatever I say right now and whenever this goes out, it'll be totally different by the time it comes out because it's moving on a day-to-day basis. As you say, it's yeah. the most volatile, which makes it exciting for me. It's the most volatile market I've ever seen. Um, but what I am seeing is that buyers currently, as of last week, uh, were lots of buyers, lots of bidders, but knowing when to stop. So mm. like they go really bullish to a point and then that's it. Whereas the weeks prior to that mm. was, we just didn't know when they were gonna stop. Like some <laughs> of the stuff we were selling 600,000 above reserve. Yeah. Um, and, and it's really hard to pinpoint. It'd be a very, very hard job as, as a buyer's agent, as an, as an agent, and certainly as an auctioneer to work out where it's going to stop or where to peg it. And as you know, when you're in a rising market, it's it's the hardest position for an auctioneer and an agent to, to communicate correctly with their owner because what a price sells for today, the vendor sets their reserve based on that, probably a little bit of a premium on top to hope for the best and, you know, give a bit of negotiating room. And sometimes we as agents and auctioneers go, there's no bloody way they're going to get that, my God. And then we smash it by 150 grand. It's just like... It, it, there's two, there's that saying, there's those that don't know. And then there's those that don't know. They don't know. Like that's effectively where we sit at the moment.
2: Yeah. So in such a heated market, Ben, what are your go-to strategies to maximize the private auction?
1: Well, look, first and foremost, it's got to be auction. I, it, it really shits me and sorry to swear on your podcast. <laughs> really Mate, me. go for you <laughs> when people and especially in this market why people do off markets first sale first it, there's no and and i say this not because i'm an auctioneer because i'm uh, i'm a tragic for the industry i love real estate and i understand the process you know i have literally sold thousands of pieces of real estate being involved in it it really shits me when people sell it prior sell it first open, sold first day on the market, that just annoys me. So um, what what I think first and foremost is they need to be auctioning, not just auctioning as in a live, there's other ways to auction, but you need to be creating that competition. And doing it that way but first and foremost I, I i probably wouldn't be talking too much price with the vendors or the purchasers because you're going to get caught out the market is the market the market will sort itself out you're going to have guides i get that and buyers want guides. but the reality is guys and, and let's be real our buyers know more about what the markets where the market is than we do because they're in it buying it they're prepared to pay the dollars from our point of view, as, as commentators, not so much the buyer's agent side, but the, the agent side, is we're just collectors of information and, and um, giving that back to the owner so they can make educated decisions. Now, it's really hard at the moment. And the biggest issue that we have is that buyers never really tell us what they think it's worth. They think they tell us what we want to hear. Buyers um, are buyers. <laughs> you've got to be careful, but yes. <laughs> They traditionally are, but then they get, look, and I say this, they, they get annoyed at us with as agents or whatever, where we'll go to an note for inspection, we'll ring around, okay, what's your feedback on the property? They'll go 1. 1.4, 1.45. Okay, cool. Hey, would you turn up to auction it? Yep, we go to the owner and say, well, look, we've got feedback at 1. 1.4, 1.45, and then it sells 1.65 and all the buyers are cranky at So all we've done is pass the information on to the owner and they've set their position around it. So mm. yeah, it's difficult. All we are is just um, you know, information collectors.
2: Yeah. So Ben, if say I'm trying to control an auction or slow it down by lowering bids or whatever process I follow, what yeah. are you doing as an auctioneer to kind of flip that or reverse it to maximize?
1: Yeah. You know, oh, our I'm, bids? I'm the king of knockbacks. Um I learned it, I <laughs> learned from, my, I learned it from my wife. So um, <laughs> Uh, So essentially, I will always hold my position and I don't care how long it takes if I know we're going to get to a point and I know it's worth that and especially the online platform at the moment, because it's very much one way communication at the moment. People will always try and test me on a price, but I know where I got to be, and I know where I get got to get to, and I know that it's not going to sell under a point. So why are we all messing around for that? There is this, there is this notion about gaining momentum and all those sorts of things. Totally get it, but it can also have an, an adverse effect on. It. I like to keep it as high as I can for as long as I can. I'll knock your bid back till I get to a certain point, then I'll take anything. For for an example, but I also think that. Whilst it's good to gain momentum, I also think that, that you can have of fatigue. If I started taking two low bids early on, people feel like, oh, it's just going to go on forever for doing lower mm. bids, whereas I'd rather get it to the point then slow it, then drop the increments to keep them in the game. But we'll always we'll always give them as much time as they need at the end, but I've got to get to a certain point. So to answer your question, yes, I, I do knock back a lot of bids, but I do it respectfully. People understand why I'm doing it and how I'm doing it. Look, looking for, like for an example, I'm chasing 50,000 and someone's trying to give me five and they're going, nah, take my five. Well, appreciate your bid. I'm acting under the vendor's instructions there and in their best interest there. I'm looking for 25, but look, how about we compromise? Oh, I'm looking for 50, but how about we compromise and I'll take 40? That sort of thing. So all of a sudden, yeah. it's a bit of a negotiation on the floor. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Um, what What are you seeing the best operators doing um, throughout uh, throughout Sydney and the country at the moment during a lockdown? Are there things that they're doing much differently?
1: Uh, yeah, mate, uh, Just the, which it's not just for lockdown. It's just in general. They're talking to people, mate. They're just yeah. like uh, you can't sell a piece of real estate without talking to someone. So, yeah. And I have seen, no disrespect, some of the, you know, not the sharpest tools in the shed, if you like, really <laughs> make me a couple of million dollars a year because they are just disciplined in communication. Yeah. They, you know, um, we very much rely these days, and I do it myself, um, where we text message people now. Like, mm. oh, get it on the phone. Do something different. Ring mm. them. Where are yeah. you at? What do you need to be at? How can I help you get this? You know, be, yeah. be on their side and help them do it. So um, the best agents are just talking to people, mate. It, it is dead, yep. dead. Talk to people. Talk to people. Talk to people. Start yep. start a conversation.
0: Um, it, on that, in terms of these top operators, are there? This is this is not a question about what's happened during lockdown, but from what you've seen over the course of your real estate career, what are the the habits or the top habits the top performers have and utilize to to get to the point that they're at now?
1: Yeah, okay. Consistency is a main one. And as I said, consistency, di- discipline, and not taking... I don't, I don't think you got to be careful about saying this without sounding arrogant. Not taking no for an answer. Like as in, yes, you get a knockback, but then you are a problem solver. So, okay, yes, I understand that you don't want to do this for this reason, but can I understand why? And then when you start to understand why, you start to break down the walls of the barrier to working out how you get them into a position that I want to be with. But but most of all, once you – so go back that step before I said about talking to people. You talk to people enough, there's a trust that gets built there. You understand them. You become their friend. And genuinely, I think that that's what it's about. It's not a sale. It's a friendship first, and you need to solve those problems for them because that's what we are, mate. We're, we're problem solvers in the real estate space. We're trying to – and matchmakers. Like, yeah. The amount of times as an agent, you know, my, in my career as a just a, a junior selling agent, sold over 750 houses. Now, the amount of times I sold a house to people that said, no, nah, not buying that. No, nah, nah, I don't want a two-story house. No, nah, I don't want this. I can't understand that. But then when you understand why they don't want that and work through solutions around that, you sell them something. The amount of times, no, nah, I don't want to live here. I've teed up the appointment. Can you come in and have a look? And that's the matchmaking part that I speak about. Was this house? Don't look at it from the front. You can always change the colour of it or the facade. But come in and it ticks every box. Like, mm. so, yeah. but if unless I had the trust, I wouldn't have got them in the door. Yeah. So. Yeah.
2: Well, what would you be doing? Let's say the clock gets wind back. You're 23, 24 years old again. Yeah. You know everything you know now, but you're in a young body. Yeah. Uh what's your go-to? you being a real estate agent, buyers agent, auctioneer? What would your go-to be? Uh
1: uh well first thing I wouldn't do for, I get asked that question is um what would you do if you went back time? First thing is don't waste time. That's the first and foremost. But I would definitely be uh I would be a, an agent um because I think I've got your question right. What would I do? Is that what you mean? Or
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: I would definitely be an agent because I, I stepped out of being an agent just for different reasons. My career went into a corporate role, uh, but I look at now some of the mo- some of the money that some people are earning and 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 things like <laughs> that. And uh, uh, I also I also loved helping families. I I still get calls of houses I sold twenty five years ago. saying, Ben. Wow. You know, uh, we're just going to say hello. And, and the relationships are deeper. Um, Don't get me wrong, being an auctioneer is fantastic because you it's like you're a celebrity. You rock in. You sell it at $200,000 above. The vendor hugs, kisses you and gives you the champagne and all that sort of stuff. And you're looking at the agent while she's are cuddling the vendor over the shoulder, they're going... I did everything and you're getting all the cred. Uh, and of course there's the upside too that when it doesn't sell, I walk away, jump in my car, drive off, never see them again. So and then the agent's (laughs) left dealing with it. But sounds pretty um, good. So the auctioneers, the auctioneers, the auctioneer side is fun. The only reason I didn't like being an agent was when you do put that sold sticker up or you hand them over the keys, you start again you're literally starting the process again with another relationship, which is cool, but yeah. it's the, it is the same story. Whereas the auctioneer side for me is the adrenaline rush. It's there, it's 15 minutes of play. And, and generally it's at the, it's at the pointy end, it's at the fun end, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you've got all the emotions involved and, you know, I, I can call an auction for 15 minutes and feel like I've played a full game of rugby league. It's just that, that there's that much intensity in that around it. Um, yeah. So, that, yep. yeah, I'd definitely be an agent because of the coin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, not a bad answer. Um, uh, there's one thing that, uh, as you might be able to see here, Daniel, is Benny Mitchell lives in a pretty cool spot. Um, and he has what I would say a pretty decent, besides obviously when he's working seven days a week and he doesn't get a life, but... I think you do have, from what I can see from your Instagram, Benny, a decent work-life balance. You do see your kids quite a bit. You do because well, see-
1: of the lockdown. But um, <laughs> no. actually, it's really funny because I've joined realtor and we are very much in the go-go stage of a business. Uh, it, it, it's full on. Um, so I've probably got the the least work-life balance I've ever had at the moment. But I used to. I used to. Play pretty hard. When I say play pretty hard, I'd go away on good holidays with my, my mates pig shooting out west, you know, four or five times a year. And I uh, go I'd do like my fishing, you know, I go to Cape York, Tiwi Islands, that sort of stuff. Um, Work life balance is, is, is an interesting concept. Uh, I don't think that they, they, they actually have to blend at some point. You can't do the I'm switching off today and not turning my phone on for two weeks or three weeks. Cause I'm in Europe. It doesn't work like that. And especially yeah. when you're in real estate, you know, you do work life balance is more uh, back on my family than me. I'll always be there. I'll do whatever, but they have to, they have to, they have to come to terms with, we might be sitting in Hamilton Island as a family for a week, but I have to, spend this morning doing emails or, you know, it's a bit of a blend. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, okay. So in terms of um, when, w- w- when you were talking about work-life balance, does it get any different or better throughout the process or do you think you have to stay consistent at, at a high pace? So obviously you see people like Jay Bacani, for example, yeah. um, the point that he's at now he's still working extremely hard now I didn't see him from uh, at the start of his career obviously you have seen him at the mm-hmm. earlier stages is the effort that someone like a Jay Bikhani or these top operators are they putting in the same effort they were in the beginning to now
1: arguably more um <laughs> see the, the the thing you got is it's addictive um success is addictive so you can't I, when I, Whenever I used, as I said, I have 53 salespeople working for me. You can't train enthusiasm, right? So mm. with that enthusiasm comes work ethic generally. <clears throat> uh, I, I hand on heart say I've never worked harder in this last nine months of my career. Like, And I used to do some massive hours, as you can appreciate, being a lead salesperson and a business owner looking after all those people. Uh, yeah. Nothing compared to what I'm doing now. Um so I think it's addictive. You've got to know when to turn off, and that's the hard part before you burn out. I've probably come close to burning out two or three times this year already uh, just <laughs> due to the fact that the first four months of this year I did 1,600 auctions, which is just unheard of. So yeah. I think that uh, you've got to have a goal and you've got to be conscious. I don't want to be my father where he's 70-something years of age still working like he was 18. Um, So I have a goal with my family and we set down those goals to establish that that's where I want to tap out. For your point of view, there's no better time to be setting a career up or establishing yourself. That's why I get the calls at 25 years later of people that I dealt with because I worked hard back then and I was genuine or hopefully still am. Mm. Um, But you in the build stage, pre-kids, pre-marriage in a lot of cases for you young guys, Mate, there's no better time to be to be building a career. You can't come back circumstantial and do it later. You gotta yeah. do it now. Like whilst you don't have commitments, my biggest fear is I'm going to get the end of it and all my kids have moved out and I felt I didn't know them. Um, so I should start to slow down and spend more time with them. But you can do that now because you don't have those commitments. Put the hours in. Why not? Don't don't do it. Yeah. I still need you at my options, <laughs> but <I'll do. laughs> I'll just do you what's,
2: with all that success, Benny? What's been the most exciting part of it, or you know, with all, like the, with all that results? What what would you say has been the biggest part or the most exciting part of that whole process?
1: Yeah, Daniel, I, I, good question. I get daily satisfaction in everything that I do. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. Um, I really and this is such a cliche i really love seeing age working with agents like kevy j all those guys and being part of their success like uh, watching them grow I've been fortunate enough, you know, salesperson of the year, the Illawarra for the area. I've done all, you name it, I've done it. And this sounds starting to sound a little bit cocky, but even with the Ray White group, <laughs> the biggest trophy you could ever win. I've done all of that. So what excites me now to be fair, it's people like Kevy J, Eagle, all the team from Manor Boys, all the people I work with, I'm fortunate enough to say that I work with the best and watching them succeed and, and absolutely now that's, that's my highlight. Um, and yeah, so I think that's that's probably been my biggest success. And I've I've hung out with the biggest and the best, you know. I've been with all the big head franchise owners. I've I've done all of that sort of stuff. So I've had a lot of career highlights, mm-hmm. and just seeing people kill it is my favorite, it really is.
2: What about um, with all the money you've, you've come over through the years? What's been the biggest purchase or the most exciting part with that success, monetarily wise?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Look, I I'm a I love developing real estate. Um. I I didn't do enough of it. I made a lot of people a lot of money along the way, and I thought shit, I should have bought that. But you know, I'm true to my word as being a real estate agent, and you know, I didn't want to compete with them. Um. I've I've managed to have some <laughs> phenomenal success in purchasing real estate over time, and um, my biggest my biggest proud moment was the current house I live in uh, and, and that was and not just for what it is but for how we got it and how circumstances worked out that way uh, it's a pretty iconic property um, but I, I do like uh, I do like developing mate so um, with success come like with, with doing those comes good success as, as well so and, and I'm a bit of a wog mate I don't like selling stuff so <laughs> it's really hard I'm like acquiring <laughs> I've got a, I've got a, a, very healthy property portfolio, and and I, I don't like selling stuff. I thought you were just a poor auctioneer, Benny. Oh, I am, mate.
0: Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, ben, just um, just before we wrap up, um, in in terms of the, I know uh, Daniel touched on it, like advice for a twenty-four year old, but a little bit different coming in someone that's just starting in real estate, so let's say a couple of my assistants that have just started in the first month or two, uh, what would be your, your one ad piece of advice to help them along their journey over the next 20 to 30 years?
1: Yeah. Look, as I said, um, play the long game. I know it's really hard yeah. when you're 24, you, you know, you're probably a little bit strapped for cash and stuff like that. So uh, people pick up on, you know, you're trying to be a little bit too overexcited about a commission check that might be coming play the long game and I know that that's really hard to understand when you're 24 years of age but this is a long game and unfortunately as a real estate agent or an industry we get tarnished with the brush that it's really easy it's really easy to make money and it's quick gain and it and essentially is in a lot of cases and that's why we have 10,000 people join the industry every year and 10,000 people leave because they come they think it's a quick buck uh, and then they it's not that it's hard work. Anyone that ever makes it in real estate has made it through hard work. They haven't made it by luck. They haven't made it by ripping people off. If they rip people off, they quickly get uh, ousted out of the industry. And unfortunately we get left with the legacy that goes with that. Um, So my advice to a 24 year old is look, it's going to happen. It won't happen overnight. Like there's none of this. You see the the J's and that of the world that have earned their really nice flash cars and their Rolexes and stuff like that, Um, that, wasn't overnight that's 10 15 years of nose to the grind and the late hours and the letterbox drops and the phone calls and the rejection the rejection and i'll say that again the rejection that's actually the hardest part about real estate is that we we don't take rejection well or the or the poor agents don't take it well the good ones do they look at us every time i get a no it's a closer to a yes yeah so that's essentially it i i would just as i said if you're young and you're joining, join now. Go hard now while you don't have commitments. Um, and talking about that, when I was 19 years of age, mate, I had two days off that year. I worked every Sunday. We were a seven-day-a-week operation at the time. People, like old agents, would say, oh, look, I don't want to really work this Sunday. I'll do it. I'll do it. And most of the time, I sold houses for no money because I just wanted the experience. So play yeah. the long game. Wow. Well,
2: Mate, my last question for you. What's your go-to drink?
1: Oh, okay. So we're talking hardcore here, like a proper drink <laughs> session, or we <we're> just talking <laughs> just right, we're uh, after an auction.
2: Let's say footy's on tonight. We've got the semifinals. Yeah. What do you What are you knocking back?
1: Well, I'm a bit of a beer connoisseur. So, like, um, I, I like a beer, always have a beer. Um, I sort of started to, because I'm not a big like i'm not a burly mate i'm not a burly sort of a guy so i start to drink my mid-strength beers to keep up with my mates because they if i start drinking full strength with them i'm under the table quick um but yeah generally a beer mid-strength beer to start with um and then my spirit of choice i'll do like a rum and coke so beautiful yeah and then what's your favorite sport uh mate i uh, well i I, I don't actually have one that I love generally. Like, I played rugby union. I played rugby league, um, all those sorts of things. But I, it's really hard to watch rugby union at the moment. It's such a shit sport to watch at the moment. <laughs> so uh, and we're so bad at it. Um, rugby league, yeah, that's uh, – I don't mind that. Um, we're going to watch the UFC on the weekend, that sort of thing. Um, but, awesome. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, Done. Mate, I, I, don't mind time.
1: The, I don't mind watching the pan lickers run around, the, the <laughs> run around or the or the, or the, or the donkeys. But yeah, that's it. All right, Benny.
0: Thank you so much, legend. Mate. We really appreciate you um, coming on and joining us.
1: No problems, oh, guys. It's it's great work you're appreciate doing. It. This is all good for the industry. So good on you.